Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 52. Like we like to start every episode, I'm going to throw it to Sylvie first. What are you loving this week? I'm loving coaching. And I'm going to talk about that in two different ways. One, I love being a coach. <laughs> and I'm just smiling about that and thinking about, you know, the different clients we have and how I just love that that is a tool in the world to be able to receive support like that 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 there's this there's something that is not I mean yes I'm gonna say I love us right like I guess that's kind of what I'm saying here but I'm just I just want to talk about it for a minute and I um because I think it's so beautiful to have this space to be able to talk about like what where you're at now and where you're going I find coaching to be this really beautiful place where we're able to think about like, where are we now? Where do we want to go? And having someone to walk alongside you. So as a coach, I just feel so grateful for when clients share and are willing to share and be vulnerable and talk about like those kinds of those true things of our hearts that are the things that we really, really want. Um, whether it's a relationship in a dating context or, you know, in, in my other business as well, I work with a lot of people who are moving through different aspects of their life and just life coaching in general. I just feel so honored that clients are willing to share what's going on. And I love being a coach. I also love having a coach. (laughs) So, you know, listeners, yes, we are relationship and dating coaches. And I also have a relationship coach because I need someone else's thoughts besides my own. And I have amazing friends, shout out Marsha and other people in my life who are willing to listen, but there's something really specific about having a coaching relationship where that is the dynamic. It's not like, you know, you don't have to talk about all the other things. You don't have to have a mutual friendship. You're just like, here's what's going on in my head and my heart right now. And here's where I could use support and have a really amazing relationship coach right now. And I was, um, she has been giving me some like different prompts to journal about and things to do over the past week that I've been looking back at my notes a lot from my last session with her and doing some of the the um, journaling prompts and activities that she had suggested that I try. Um, and they've been so helpful. And I'm just like, gosh, I love this. I love being a coach. I love having a coach. Um, yeah, it's just really helpful to talk through. And I, I especially like in that, in that context of confidentiality and the space to be able to say, here's where I'm at right now, like, and have someone who's not judging you, but helping you notice your thoughts, notice your patterns. And, um, well, we were just talking about doing better. So I'm going to say, and do better. (laughs) That's what I'm loving this week. That, you know, it's interesting as 
we are, you know, exploring all these episodes of Ted Lasso and like listeners, this is like a peek behind the curtain. We're going to be talking about the episode I'm referencing in next week's episode, but we're recording uh-huh. technically Solvay and I are recording it today. That's how things work <laughs> around here. It's a real professional setup. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the episode we're talking about next week is, um, it's Ted's exploration into therapy and I do think there is this, there's this hump people have to get over in order to receive help from a professional, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Whether, it, whether it's therapy, you know, in the case of the show, I mean, but also in this show, one of the things that we have seen is players who are resistant to some of the support from their coach, mm-hmm. in this case, a sports mm-hmm. coach. Right. Uh, and so I just think you know, what you're sharing is probably really valuable for folks to hear about not just how much you're enjoying being on one side of it, right? Being a coach yourself, Mm -hmm. but also receiving that help. Like I said, people just seem so resistant to pay Mm -hmm. or seek out professionals Mm -hmm. who are compensated and their intention is to support you. And I think it's an interesting thing, right? Like, that I don't know, like, I don't know who to blame for this exactly. I want to blame patriarchy, but I actually I say the patriarchy. That, <laughs> I kind of want to blame patriarchy for everything. <laughs> we have this like mentality that if you pay for something, it makes it less authentic somehow. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that is such a rudimentary understanding of how support works, right? Like, And I think to bring this all back to the episode we'll be talking about next week, like one of the conversations in it is literally like, do you love doing what you do, but would you do it for free, but also do you do it for free? And, you know, understanding that just because you love something doesn't necessarily mean you can't earn money from it. Anyway, those are my random thoughts about that. I was just like, that's what comes up as, as you're kind of talking about that is like, yeah, I mean, especially in like, I mean, I have a couple of things to say, but I think especially like there's, there are moments and I don't have them so much anymore, but sometimes they still come up where I'm like, okay, I help other people with this. So like, shouldn't I have it all figured out, which is such a hilarious illusion, right? Like, shouldn't I know all this stuff? And like, yeah, I have a ton of information about communication and relationships and healthy, you know, I mean, similar to you, like there's, there's so much that we know about and have expertise in. And yet it still means that there are still things that like I'm exploring in my own lived experience and my own like deep desires and my own like mindset around things that I could use support with. And I feel so grateful to have someone who's willing to walk alongside me and be like, know that I know that I have all of this experience and also be able to be like, oh yeah, let's look at that a little bit more. Like that's an interesting pattern. That's an interesting thing. Like, where do you think that comes from? And and to know that, um, yeah, to know that I have a coach who I really deeply trust um, and feel okay, like comfortable talking with, I just feel really grateful for that. So like, yeah, I think there's that. Um, and I also just want to say, in lieu of blaming it on the patriarchy, that I, think, <laughs> I you know, I mean, there's those kinds of like helping professions that were mm-hmm. traditionally um, viewed as more feminine kinds of spaces. Um, 
have not traditionally been valued in the same way, you know, like teaching or nursing or anything else. I don't know if like there was specifically, there was probably sports coaching. I think sports coaching is valued, but like the, you know, life coaching is a, is a relatively new kind of um, profession, but any kind of profession like that, where it's like, you're helping people, what people call like soft skills or whatever, those kinds of comments that really annoy me Mm -hmm. (laughs) about like um, what, yeah, the value of something like we, I think that is the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is right. I think because if we did explore all of these ideas in more depth, we start to look at how fucked up the patriarchy is. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, even vulnerability, like being willing to be vulnerable and actually share where you feel weak or where you feel like you need support. Like that is not also like not something that is really smiled upon in a patriarchal culture. So like, yes, fully I mean, we can blame others too, but (laughs) I think it's worth, I think it's worth contextualizing within that paradigm. I'm going to say fancy words, contextualizing it in the paradigm or the system. It's essentially just like asking from another perspective. As you were just talking about this, I was thinking about like, yeah, I know all the calm concepts, but you still have blind spots within your lived experience and the way you're moving through the world that like, we just all do, we're all going to have those blind spots because we only have our own perspective and we don't have like the bird's eye view the way that somebody who is an outsider might be able to lend some of that perspective. I think of a, a I'll nerd out for a second. It's Jahari's window, right? Mm-hmm, is that the mm-hmm, disclosure? Mm-hmm. So listeners really yeah. very quickly, Jahari's window is a theory about um, knowledge about ourselves, disclosing information. And there's four quadrants. The one that I think I'm wanting to note is one of the quadrants is um, blind. You're it's blind to you mm-hmm. as the individual, mm-hmm. but it's something other people can see. So you all probably, if you're listening to this right now, can think of somebody you know who they like are doing something over and over again, and they don't understand why, like whatever the thing is, isn't working or why they keep getting a particular result. And you as an outsider are like, oh, Jesus, I know why I can see it so clearly. (laughs) That would be something that would be a blind area Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. someone. And an outsider is so valuable. And last episode, I don't know, at some point on the show, we were talking about, um, you know, this the being able to speak up when somebody is in a destructive relationship right Mm -hmm. and like how that that just speaking up can damage the relationship because then that person feels that you don't like their partner and and, right Right. it's complicated but when you have an outsider who doesn't have to worry about those interpersonal dynamics right they're not putting the Mm. friendship at risk and there's not any competition or history that a friendship might have it's just so much better insight that you can get um so anyway I mostly I'm just co-signing on what you said thanks yeah I do feel like it's um I I think another thing to say is that in my experience of coaching Yes, you can go to coaching when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just struggling and things are really tough, right? That's a lot of times when someone seeks out a coach. But part of like my favorite thing about coaching is it's about like, how how can this be even better? Like, mm-hmm. here's 
all of the things, like we don't have to look, we can look at it from a strength-based perspective and be like, here are these things and how could it be even better for you? Yes. If you're struggling, let's look at where you're struggling, but also like, you know, you're like in, in kind of the kind of work that we do in our work here, like how can your dating life be even better? Like it doesn't have to suck. Let's talk about, or how can like, okay, you're in a new relationship. Like, let's not like, what are the patterns that you've had in the past? Like, how has that worked for you? How do we look at how, like you can do something differently now? Like those things are really just about like, like living your most authentic life and, 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 you know, or in relationship, like being in relationship and, and learning how to do things in new ways that maybe are more create more healthier, thriving relationships or making a choice to leave a relationship or whatever the things are that you need for coaching. Like, I think basically, yes, you should come, y'all should come work with us or find somebody else who you would trust with your dating and relationship life to talk about. Cause it's great to have someone alongside you. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That way. Yeah. What are you loving this week? Well, mine is like less thoughtful. <laughs> I, this week am loving, um, two months ago, certainly not a year ago, I, or certainly a year ago, I would have balked to hear myself say this. Oh, I am loving lifting weights. Oh, (laughs) Oh, wow. It hurt me saying it. It hurts. I am not new. This This is is very, this is new. So I've been quiet about this. This has been a recent development. I've just have kind of been sitting back to see if it sticks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's continued. You're like, before I claim this. Yeah, exactly. You know, not, I'm like one strength session. I'm like, (laughs) I love it. No. Okay. So here's the deal. Listeners, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I am a pretty avid runner. I really enjoy running. That is typically, and I'll do like a yoga or a Pilates here and there, but that is the extent of my exercise. I got I mean, that's in- a lot. It is. Everybody, it is. she does a lot of exercise. It's a lot, but it's not diverse. In the I know, way- but can we say like yes. you're also running like ten miles a day? Just yes. to be clear, like I just for that's anyone true. who's like, oh, like yeah, it's a lot. You're already doing a lot, but go on. Yes. Yes. Okay. However, number one, I got injured this summer, which was a real journey for me. Number two, as I get older, I am in my late 30s. Like we know that it is important for bone and muscle, like longevity to do some weight bearing exercises, right? Like load bearing. It's good for you. I know this. Did that make me want to lift any weights over the last, I don't know. 18 years? No. I decided like kind of one of my new year's resolutions is I was going to do strength training. And so I started off kind of on my own. I mean, I've done lots of strength training before, like in sports and I've taken different classes and stuff like that. So I can put together a program if I have to. Mm -hmm. Here's what I learned in my first month of doing that. I fucking hate putting together programs and I'm not very good at it because like, I know what I should do, but I don't like that exercise or I do too many things and I get really sore and I can't do shit for like a week Mm -hmm. anyway. So this is funny that you talked about a coach because I, I didn't hire a coach, but I did buy, um, this, like, I mean, I, I guess it's an app. I lift three days a week. All of the exercises are like pre set for me, the like reps, 
there's little videos to show me how to do all of the things. There's a place to track your, like, you know, what weights you're doing. The premise of this program is um, heavy weights. So heavyweight, mm -hmm. low rep, which is mm -hmm. kind of like a more current trend um, that we're seeing, especially for women. I am really loving it. Anyway, my le I learned two lessons. Number one, strength training doesn't have to be miserable. And number two, sometimes it makes sense to just buy the thing that will help you be successful. Oh my gosh, 100% agreed. If you can afford it, right? If you yes. can't, if you can afford it, um, hire a trainer, like go like find one of these apps. Is it an app like that you'd actually recommend? Like, do you, are you, do you want to shout out the app or is it more just like, it's more just like some sort of app that I mean, I can, I, so I specifically chose this. I had been tracking this particular trainer. Um, it's a guy who trains a lot of professional athletes and celebrities. His name is Ben Bruno. Okay. And he cool. trains Chelsea Handler and he was on her podcast, which is how I kind of first heard about him. Yeah, he's, kind of, he's pretty yes. funny. He's got like a very dry sense of humor, but his whole premise, what I like about his philosophy is number one, he's very like pro heavyweights. And he's like, I know women always get told, like, if you lift heavy, you're going to get big and bulky. Like that is not how this works. So that's one thing that he has been like very adamant about, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is he's like, I want these to be this to be like realistic and fit into your life. So awesome. a lot of compound strength training movements. So yeah. where you're working more than one muscle group at a time. Um, and it's just super efficient. So anyway, the app I think is called Ben Bruno training or something. Ben Bruno oh. is the name. Awesome. Um, it's a brand new, he just launched it. Like I got okay. it right as it launched. There have been a few bugs. I would also call it relatively spendy mm -hmm. for an app. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's probably other programs if you, even if you wanted to pay that are cheaper, feeling really good. And it's working all of the muscles that my massage therapist, who is my guru, has been like, you need to be stronger in these areas. It's like really focusing, mostly it's back of body stuff. So mm -hmm. like your back and your hamstrings and your glutes. Yay. I'm yeah. so excited that you're loving it and that it's making you happy. That's awesome. Yeah. So just, you know, getting swole for summer. <laughs> um, I like, through, I don't know, sometime in 2020, whenever it was, I started doing that lifting training um, mm -hmm. with the trainer at the time I like hired a trainer to work with for six months or something. And it was so good. And it, her philosophy was the same of like the, exactly what you just talked about lifting heavy weights and compound weights. And it made me feel so good in my body. I've really continued. I haven't continued to work with her specifically, but continued with that. And you know, I can feel, I, I love feeling strong in my body. Like I love feeling strong in my body. And, and unlike you, I don't have like the, you know, the, we have different backgrounds in terms, and I am also not running 10 miles a day, but like, I love, go, I, I, I love going to the gym and lifting now. Like I love it. And I will say, um, two apps that I've used and just sort of like trying to find like an app I haven't tried this Ben Bruno one, but, um, there's one called strong her for anyone who's like looking for something. I, I think it's like $10 a month or something, or maybe $12 a month, but similarly, um, routine, like exactly what you described. They do that. I re I really like that when I used it for like the past six months. And then I was like, I think I need to change again. So the most recent one I've been, again, these are not like, I'm, this is not a professional recommendation. These are just like apps I've been trying personally. The other one I've been trying, I think is called fit by Katie. It's another trainer. Let me just look it up. Yeah. Fit by Katie. And similarly, like 
So Sam, like what you described, and it's, I think that one's also like 10 or $15 a month. I don't know how much the Ben Bruno one is. It sounds like it might be pricier. It was, I think like you get it and you get a six week, pro- six week program with different phases. And I don't know what comes next. I yeah. I think you'll yeah. always have access, but it was, I think it was 250 for it. Gotcha. I mean, so it was spending. like a I, program. Yeah. yeah I, I would yeah. consider it an investment. Per- like I was yes. like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to do it. Let us yeah. know in a couple of weeks how it's going. <laughs> I'm going to continue. Now I feel committed. Once I okay. like, once I'm in, I feel committed because I'm like five weeks in, and I'm like, okay. Ooh, you're five weeks in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I. I mean, oh. that's why I'm getting swole. Also, it's making my running <laughs> feel a lot better. I will. The Ooh. last thing I will recommend is um, if you're local to Anchorage or like the Anchorage area, I know mm-hmm. that Runner's Edge, which is the physical therapist place I went to they are doing some spring strength training classes that are like six weeks I think and they meet at a regular time and they have a physical therapist like show you the the different um, exercises and you do it as a group I'll just shout them out that they have a couple programs running and I think they start soon like in March and April Um, and that's a local you know a nice local recommendation that I just don't want to go anywhere at like six o'clock at night which is when those are I'm like, I'm about ready to go to bed in an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Well, I love that. Okay, let's get into Ted Lasso. All right, listeners, we are going to be chatting about Ted Lasso Season two, episode six, and the title of this episode is The Signal. So a quick recap for y'all. The Roy Kent effect has a team on a winning streak. Everyone is thrilled, everyone but Nate, that is. Rebecca gets a visit from her mom and is skeptical of her assertion that she's finally leaving Rebecca's father. Higgins struggles to share his concerns about Beard's relationship The game against Tottenham has everyone in a tizzy. Ted finds himself in the midst of a panic attack. Jamie finds some balance and Nate takes charge. And we finally learn the identity of Rebecca's mystery man. It's Sam. Uh, So lots of things to unpack. And as we were looking at this episode, we were trying to think about a theme. And really, it seems like the theme in this is this notion of can people change? Um, and I, I don't know that this show lands on a particular answer to that. I think we kind of see people in various stages of of maybe change, potential change, and also falling back into old habits. Um, so that's the, the show in a nutshell. And we've got a few characters that we're going to dig a little bit deeper into their stories around. Yeah. So should we start with Ted today? Let's start with Ted. I mean, the show, the episode starts with Ted too. (laughs) Yeah. So we see, I mean, we see at the beginning of this episode, the sort of Ted that we've seen that we kind of know and love, I would say like, he's like, but he's sort of like also in his most intense, joyful space, like making, you know, quippy comments to different people as he's walking in this happy, jovial, jovial self, um, you know, sort of navigating interpersonal dynamics. Yeah, we just see him like, in touch with a lot of people to begin with. But but generally, it seems like, I mean, he's pretty intensely 
chatting, but would you say that he's like kind of like the Ted that we know at the beginning? Yeah, I think so, right? Like bop be bopping around, he knows everyone, he's got good rapport. That's the Ted that we have known, like grown to love, knowing yeah. love. Yeah, and it makes sense too. I mean, the team is winning, right? They've won four games in a row, we learned at the very beginning. So it's like it makes sense that he is feeling he's feeling he's feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there is a sort of, you know, pivotal moment shortly thereafter that I think is worth just briefly talking about where we learn, you know, Beard's Beard's and Beard gets a little more time in this episode. We learn that Beard is back in a relationship with Jane. And we also hear like Higgins is concerned and they call the diamond dogs together without Beard to to check in about it, basically. This stuff with Beard has been interesting because we've seen little nuggets of what has been going on with him and Jane and their relationship really throughout the season. I mean, even last season, right? Like she has been a presence and they've had some interesting dynamics and I think it's just kind of slowly escalated this season but we haven't really mentioned it because it's always just like a passing comment yeah yeah or he's like tired when they walk in and it's because him and Jane had a fight or x y or z or they just broke up oh no they're back together um and so it's interesting watching how like, okay, now we're we're sort of getting a little bit of payoff for all of those little things. And how consistent is that with how we operate in life, right? Like when you have a friend who has a dysfunctional relationship that you're watching happen in real time, it's like, oh, that little thing. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, that little thing. Oh, I'm not going to say anything. And like eventually... If you're a Higgins personality, you might get to the the breaking point where you're like, okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so Higgins is concerned, and we learn through that company. There's so much. There's so many interesting. I think this episode. There's like so many things that are interesting about this episode that we could talk about for ages. But I think you know, in this, we 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 get this sort of insight into Ted saying like. I, I don't mess with people like he I, the quote I wrote down was it's bad business to get up in anyone else's business. Wh- what was your takeaway from sort of where where Ted's at in this conversation? I thought it was a little bit odd. It seemed not consistent with Ted to me the, yeah. that this was his like assertion that he was not going to get involved at all because he seems so interested in people's well-beings. Uh, and I suppose we haven't really seen him inject himself into anybody's relationship thus far. But I don't know. It just seemed out of character. To Like, I was like, oh, I feel like Ted would have said something interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to watch where he chooses to engage and make a choice to, and, and to not. And, it you know, it makes me think about how, I mean, he doesn't speak a lot in this particular time to the you know everything about him and beard and their relationship and all of the things we but we we know they're close and so i also just think it's interesting that he's making the choice to not get involved with this particular dynamic that he's making that choice is an interesting one and i assume though he doesn't talk about it that it's probably also his relationship with beard that's that he's he maybe has some background with beard that's making but again he doesn't say that so it is interesting to see where he chooses to 
he chooses to step up in that way and doesn't. And this time he's, you know, he's he's clearly not making a choice in that moment. But maybe that's strategic. I think sometimes we underestimate Ted. I guess that's where I'm going with it is like sometimes we think like, why isn't he doing something? But he is doing something. Well, he said before how he think whatever he said when Roy, I think, was first like kind of cantankerous toward him was I, I want same same approach with babies and dogs. I let them come to me. Right. Like he I I suppose as I'm kind of thinking about this, maybe this is really aligned with how Ted tends to be, which is like sit back and let the people come to you, which because that is when they're going to be most receptive to any feedback that you give. Right. If you give unwanted feedback or unrequested feedback, people tend to be resistant to it or there's more likelihood for resistance. Um I'm curious what you so this whole episode there's this running theme of like do you step in and say something with in regards to someone's relationship right like this everyone sort of is like no 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 you don't say anything because then they're going to get back together and then they're going to be mad at you right like that's and I've heard that trope lots of times before where do you land on this? Uh, where do I fall on this? Um, I probably lean towards the n- not saying anything unless asked. Um, mm-hmm. un- unless somebody creates in like an, a space for me to ask um, or to, you know, to advise or share my opinion. In most cases, I probably won't. That's not to say that I wouldn't ever, right? Like if I were worried about somebody, if I were genuinely worried about somebody's well-being or safety, then I would probably say something. But if it's just like, I don't know if I like these two together, which is sort of the situation with, you know, the Beard and Jane situation, it seems, I mean, from what we know right now, I, I probably wouldn't say anything. How about you? I know in the past with people in my life who have had relationships that are volatile and like clearly emotionally draining to them, I find myself often getting frustrated at some point, like where I'm like, okay, like I can't hear you complain about this person and you guys are doing the same thing over and over and over again. I like you want my feedback. Here's my feedback. Like this is not healthy. It's never gone great for me. So I don't know why I keep doing it. But I like authenticity is important to me. And if if there is I wouldn't just walk up to somebody and be like, your relationship is shit or anything like that. But if there was any little opening, I, I try to gracefully say something. And like I said, it's never gone, <laughs> never gone well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great I think I think the theme of this or whatever it is the 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 that this comes up over and over again in this episode is thought provoking and interesting. And I mean, I also think there's a difference between someone coming and like complaining and telling you their story, whereas, you know, in this particular situation, it doesn't I don't think we get a lot of beard complaining. He's just like, Jane and I are together. Jane and I aren't together. <laughs> you know, Jane did this, Jane did that. It's not like he's not I don't see much of an opening of him asking for anyone else's opinion. No, 
no, that doesn't seem to be happening. I do think it is hard. You know, we see little these little moments of Beard and Jane and we're, you know, led to assume that this is probably happening even when like, you know, the cameras aren't on it. Right. Like they're witnessing this. Friends are witnessing it. And I think you're right. Beard doesn't seem particularly interested in anyone's feedback. Like he'd never ask anyone what they think about anything. Um <laughs> at all which like I respect that in a lot like there's a lot about that that I really really respect I do think it's interesting there's a part of me that's like would Beard appreciate it and we kind of see later in the episode that he he appreciates it but also like is not at all open to that right. <laughs> not necessarily taking the the advice but is appreciated yeah. yeah but it it didn't shock me that he appreciated it I think because what we have learned about Beard thus far is like he is very honest and tells people what he thinks and how he feels. But I keep thinking back to the episode where he tells Ted, like, I care about winning. This matters. Like, you can't just like skate through this and say you don't care about it. I care. And he really like reads Ted the riot act about that. And he like really pushes him with Roy and benching Roy. So like Beard based on what we've seen, has always been like somebody who seems to value direct honesty. So it did seem aligned with what we have seen that he appreciated it. I also think it is a line that he did not listen to that or he didn't do anything with the feedback in the moment. Who knows what he will do in the right. future? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also in character for someone like Higgins, it seems like, who has five sons, who has like this healthy marriage, who can like see probably some things that he feels concerned about. I mean, I appreciate that he is not only concerned, but also wants to uh, like wants to do something about it or check in with Beard. I think that's that's a neat it speaks to the like, you know, the things that we've talked about in terms of psychological safety within this um, especially this season that there that that he feels like it's safe enough to like have that sort of conversation with one of his colleagues potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In any that case, it's a good workplace. That yeah. is for sure. Yeah. So we see, I mean, so, so we, we get that sense. What else do you, I mean, some of the other like things that I see that are interesting about Ted this episode. I mean, I, I think it's, insightful when he says I love meeting people's moms like I I think that's an interesting just like little bit of Ted's character there right understanding that he likes what does he say did you write it down it's like a handbook to why they're crazy yeah Yeah. is what he said about people's moms yeah yeah and I don't know like I mean we don't know again we don't know a lot about Ted's mom yet like we don't really know anything about that that came up for me when um I mean, because we have that funny interaction with him and Beard where Beard says his mom's part of QAnon. <laughs> Which also tracks 100%. I was like, yep, nope, that is 100% what I would have assumed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so much of what Ted, the premise of the show and the premise of, of Ted's philosophy seems to be baked into these ideas around mentorship and you know, being a role model and kind of looking at what people's role models were growing up. So he kind of looks to parents, right? He's made comments about dads a lot. This is the first time we really hear many comments about a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And but that that is like something that Ted seems to consider and take seriously. And I think like that that is good insight, right? Like whoever our parents are and what they are like is so important to the way or so influential to the way that we move through the world and the way we communicate and the way we interpret things. And I mean, like he boils it down very, very succinctly. It's like a you know playbook to why they're nuts. And um, and I think it also is kind of interesting seeing him then like really be enraptured by Rebecca's mom. Like he's like, tell me all of it. And I was like, <laughs> same, Chad, same. <laughs> uh, well, what what else do you what else did you find that you think would be valuable to think about when it comes to Ted's journey through this episode and about the idea of like, can people change? for Ted up until this point is that we see that he he like he remains remarkably consistent mm-hmm. he is always this guy right mm-hmm. joking blah 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 like quick quick little comments he's connecting with people from day one and I think that whole first season was all about going like no he is this person and you That's kept it. waiting for the other shoe to drop and now we see, like, I think we're starting to see the his, like, shadow peek out a little bit. And I think the impetus for it in this episode, we see him end with a panic attack and finally going to Dr. Sharon. And if we walk it back, there really probably what triggered it was the phone call that he got from his son's school and that he wasn't there. There was nothing he could do to help. It, and it ended up being mundane and small. It was like he forgot his lunch and his mom yeah. brought it. But that was clearly, the tr- I think, the trigger for what happened later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe what we're seeing is like, I don't know if he's changing, but he is letting pieces of his darker self peek out a little bit more than what we saw previously last season Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting to see you know okay so the team's been tying now they're winning Roy's there now I feel like you know he's brought in another leader who is strong to be there too like he maybe this is like finally a time where he actually Again, I agree with the like the, when his son calls. It seems like it's a it's it's a mark in that in that plot of that of this show of this episode. But also, um, it's like he's got all the pieces in place for him for the team to be strong. The team is winning. It's like he's finally letting himself. I don't know that he wants, maybe he's not letting himself. Maybe it's just like, there are things that are coming out. And I mean, Sharon, we see, I think right towards the beginning of the episode, doesn't Sharon say something like, how you doing? You want to check in? And he's like, I'll let you know when I do. I talk all the time or, you know, he makes some quippy thing, but I think both Sharon showing up over and over again. And like, there's some trust that's been developed there of her saying, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. If you need me, Roy being there now to like be an additional leader in that space and that working and the team doing well, it's like, maybe he's like, finally his subconscious is like coming through and being like, there are other things here that need to be dealt with. And I'm finally like, finally, yeah. Like going there. Sort of like when 
you ever notice, I mean, we were in the semester system. So listeners, you might have remembered this if you, you know, were in college and had finals week or anytime you have a stressful thing, you ever notice how like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then like the thing is over and you get sick right away. Yeah. Like I always get sick right after finals week, after my grades are submitted, all of a sudden I have a cold. Uh, and it's like your body has kind of been fighting it with all of the adrenaline that you have. And then as soon as you like, okay, I can take a breath. It's like, and here I am, sickness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really same thing. Yeah. yeah, or you're like really tired or whatever it is. Yeah, these like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just an interesting, I mean, it's, uh, this this starts to get really fascinating when it comes to Ted, right? Because we really only see, so we've, not that he's one dimensional, but we've seen a lot of the cheerful side of Ted, the side of Ted that seems resilient, the excellent leader, right? Like all of these things. And now we're starting to see, uh, well, that he's an imperfect human too, right? Like, I mean, which is the whole, you know, one of the whole themes of the show, right? That he's also struggling. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, can people change? Maybe sometimes it's maybe, maybe sometimes it's these moments where we don't really want to, but we finally admit to ourselves that there's something that we need to work, you know, we need to work on. Mm-hmm. And I suppose like he is changing. He is finally in Dr. Sharon's office at the end. And he was True. pretty anti-therapy or anti-therapist up until that point. Um, so, you know, there, I guess therein lies some change for whatever reason. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So Ted's going through some changes. Is there anything else you want to name about him or shall we move on? Well, Rebecca's having fun. I was going to say, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with Rebecca (laughs) through this, (laughs) through this part of the show. This is the loosest that we have seen Rebecca. I feel like, right. Like she's not in like a very structured dress and her hair is like I mean, it's still pretty coiffed, but it's not. <laughs> it it moves a little bit, which it does not traditionally do. Mm, wow, I didn't notice that. Okay. Uh, I mean, also, like, I know that this is not what the podcast is about, but she looks so stunning. I was like, oh, God, man. that woman is like just so stunning to look at. Agreed. She's gorgeous. And I just love a show that shows a sexy whatever she is you know, she's in her forties, right. But I mean, 40, 50, something, whatever, however, however old she uh, hooking up with like other sexy men that look younger than her makes me happy. (laughs) She definitely seems to be having like a good, like she is in that stage of post breakup, post divorce of like, okay, I'm going to like explore I feel like this is like a rite of passage for a lot of people after a long-term relationship is like kind of exploring their sexuality again with somebody new, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And fun and who seemingly based on what we observe in this episode doesn't seem to be like, you know, her, maybe not her intellectual equal, maybe not necessarily somebody she wants a relationship with, but somebody that she's having a lot of fun with right now. And like, there is so much value in having those types of interactions when you are maybe still healing a little bit from heartbreak. It yeah. builds confidence. It can rebuild some confidence and feel sexy again. 
Yeah. And just like letting herself relax into that a little bit. It seems like she was, it seems like earlier in the season, we see her like, you know, dating someone who maybe is more serious and then deciding not to date that person. And now like going through this, just whatever fun, fun, what looks to be a fun hookup since we do see that um, she met him on two messages. Did you look at that? Did you see that it's Mm -hmm. like a two for the two (laughs) messages? That made me laugh. Yeah. Um, her, uh, yeah. Who doesn't seem to be her, yeah, perhaps intellectual or spiritual equal when she's also getting fun texts from someone, the mystery man on banter, who is asking her about guardian angels and, you know, other conversations. Mm-hmm. A lot. There's a, a bit more depth with yes. mystery man who we find out. I mean, I feel like we can talk yeah. about it. It's Sam. Who's Did you see that coming? I feel like we should talk about that for a second. Did Did you see that coming at all? I did not see that coming. I mean, I'm delighted by it, but I did not see. I mean, I don't, I can't remember. Maybe the first time I might've had like a little bit of a clue, but I was definitely surprised. How about you? I, I, now I cannot remember why I thought this, but I had predicted it was Sam like an episode or two before. I didn't want to say it when we like, just because. It was so on the nose. But yes, the first time we watched this, I was like, I think it's going to be Sam. And I can't remember. I wish I could go back in time and like remember what my reasoning was. Dustin can corroborate this because <laughs> he is the one I told. And I mean, I I like I did feel like it was a little bit of a shot in the dark. I was like, ah, I think it's Sam. But I was also like, OK, it probably isn't. But um, I did. And I, like I said, I can't totally remember why. I do know that there have been a couple moments between them throughout the first and second season that does, like, it was like, okay, there's like, there's like almost a little something here. Um, (laughs) And I was like, it has to, whoever she's talking to has to be somebody we've seen before. I don't think it's Ted. That doesn't make sense. Then who could it be? And he was the only other one that made sense because they have had some interactions, like, I always think back to that first time. Um, it was like midway through the first season when they were going to do the ceremony to get rid of the ghosts. And he, Sam walked into Rebecca's office and he's like, I want you to invite you to something. Or he says something like that. And she's like, oh, Sam, it wouldn't be appropriate. And and he was like, no, no, no. I mean, you are really beautiful. And I could see why you would think that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they are always placed next to each other. When there are like large scenes, like she's sitting by him in the locker room at the end of the season, last season, they're sitting near each other and he like holds her coat when she goes and sings. Um, They're just, I don't know. They just like are, they have like, I know that this was in the works because I've done some reading about it. And I think that they were very smart and strategic about how they like kind of put them in each other's proximity throughout without making it seem overly romantic. So. Oh, so you have read backstory to know about the show that they knew this was happening. Like this was yeah. like a plan from a while. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This was the plan. I think initially, I mean, I think this whole show, the major beats of it are like, those were all determined from the get go mm. for all three seasons, the three th- seasons that Jason Sudeikis had planned out. So um, yeah, it, it, this was one of the things that was in the works. She was gonna get with Sam. Very interesting. Right? Well, 
I love it. I love it so much. But anyways, okay. So she's having fun. We see her having some like fun banter with, well, banter on banter with now we know Sam and she's sleeping with Luca and he's walking around naked in her space in her house. And then her mom comes speaking of somebody who doesn't seem to change right from what we get a sense of in this episode her mom shows up and is you know says she left his her her dad and and Rebecca doesn't seem too fussed about it does she when it happens she's just doesn't seem like we don't know yet that this has happened multiple Mm -hmm. times but she's like it seems like she's like here you are again yeah it was like I I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending (laughs) (laughs) to quote the one Taylor Swift great Uh, Taylor Swift quote yes I yeah she seemed very like okay sure and I I appreciate that we got some backstory that like this is something that happens periodically and and that she has actually been burned by the very thing that Higgins is considering right? right she has said to her mom the first time this happened like yes he's basically right I'm like paraphrasing but basically had said like yes I'm so glad that you're doing that leave him like you're gonna be so much better off and then when they rekindled reconnected it caused a lot of animosity for the relationship between her and her mother Mm -hmm. as a result of it and so like I can understand you know I've been critical of Rebecca and her guardedness in the past but like this is an example of like yeah I totally get why you are guarded around this and skeptical and rigid as it relates to this relationship and also what a terrible relationship dynamic to be your model for a relationship no wonder you struggled in your you know marriage like if she hasn't really done any work to examine that seriously and I think this was the first time that I I I don't know if there's any other time where we know but this seems to be the time where it's indicated that also Rebecca came from wealth already right I mean she's saying my dad just buys her a present and they go some sort of what does she say environmental (laughs) present of some sort so it says something I mean she really like hits it on the nose and then my mom chooses to go back to him I mean buying somebody a Tesla is not a you know that's that's not a cheap thing to do so well maybe now I don't know there are lots of different versions of Teslas but um at the time I don't think it was and so you know it sounds like I just hadn't realized that Rebecca was wealthy did you did you know that before she met Rupert I mean it just makes me understand like oh that Rupert thing was like totally repeating what your mom did it sounds like yeah I I think we knew that she had money I assumed it because when Sassy shows up she's like yeah she was taller than me had bigger boobs and was richer than me I think she says something like that in passing um I guess I assumed Rebecca came from money just because of the way she acts. Like I was like, she doesn't, she wasn't married to Rupert for that long. They were together, okay. I think less than 10 years. It means she would have been in her like mid ish thirties when they got together. I just, the way she acts leads me. I'm like, you seem like you come from money. I don't know. I don't, I just sort of made that, that assumption um about her but yeah she totally is following in her mom's footsteps yeah. marrying yeah. like the and guy has ch- yes 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 and has changed because she's left that marriage already right so i mean right. 10 people change rebecca's already made a choice to leave 
a crummy marriage with uh, what sounds like an abusive man in both case both cases, right? Like she's made yeah. the choice to leave. So she's made a different choice from her mom already here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like she's breaking the cycle, right? Well, what is her mom? Her mom says she quotes Esther Perel at the start of the episode and says it takes two people to create a pattern and only one person to change it. And I think like this is a good example of Rebecca making the choice to change the pattern and her mom just like isn't there. And I mean, I feel like we could have an entire episode about the like social and economic restrictions that women of Rebecca's mother's age would have had to live under. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly how things played out in the UK, but I know if she was in the US at least and the way that like access to money and property and work, like that was not available to women of Rebecca's mother's age in the way that it is available to somebody like Rebecca. Like her mom could not have as easily stepped into taking over a football club Mm-hmm. you know right like 40 mm-hmm. years ago or however long ago sure. and so I think like it's just I always find it interesting to look at these things and it's really easy to go like why won't she just leave him or why hasn't she just left him but also like her context her era is like there aren't any opportunities the opportunity is hit yourself to a man because that's puts you in proximity to power and money Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And in so in this episode, we see mm-hmm. Rebecca dealing with her mom, her mom <laughs> doing exactly what Rebecca thinks she's going to do, not actually changing in any way from what we can see, at least right now. And Rebecca just dealing with sort of the way, just like you said earlier, the way that a person is when they watch a person do something that, you know, is, is this pattern that they've been in for a long time. And so mm-hmm. whatever, wherever that brings Rebecca to um, at the end of this episode, right. We see her inviting Luca back over because that sounds like a fun thing to do. It looks like, so we don't see her fully like changing in any way, but we see her having made a change in the past and also like the, the, like potentially, I don't know, I'm excited about the Sam thing, potentially beautiful results that come from making a different choice. I actually disagree. I think she does change at the end of this. She had made the choice to talk to her mom and be honest with her. Right. And so yeah, everything else they said, (laughs) say it again. Yeah. Okay. She yeah, she was going to make a change, right? Like she has for quite a while. I think she said she was in college when she first said to her mom what she actually thought the first time this happened. So Rebecca is in her mid 40s. So this was like 20 years ago, maybe more than 25 years ago that she first said something, which means for 25 years, she has just like repeated the same thing and like every few years this happens and I like act the same way and she actually did make a change after talking to Higgins and reflecting on I think you know thinking about being more authentic and honest which is has been Rebecca's journey through all of this right being in touch with how she feels and being honest with people about it and I I actually kind of think that the the Luca thing is like the antithesis of change because she, I think what we kind of see in this balance between connecting with Luca versus connecting with who we now know as Sam. She doesn't know it at the time is Sam is providing her with like this intellectual connection and like maybe soul connection, right? Like they are connecting 
as humans and her and Luca are connecting physically and like both of those things can be fun but at some point the like fling we call them a fling for a reason the thing that doesn't have a lot of weight to it is the safe thing it's easy to do because it doesn't require any emotional vulnerability or investment and I think we actually kind of see her fall back into that instead of like interacting more with Sam and I think maybe we also are going to see her at a crossroads in terms of like which direction is she choosing because inherently Sam is going to be the more vulnerable choice and it seems like what she is watching with her mom is her mom not making the vulnerable choice her mom is making you know the like for all sorts of reasons what I might classify as like the weaker choice not the bravest of options and so I think we're going to see Rebecca like have to make a decision and that is what is inevitably eventually going to tell us has Rebecca changed or not who next we talk about Roy and Jamie yeah I mean this was my favorite this this scene between Roy and Jamie is I think my favorite scene in the entire show hands down maybe not the whole episode but like this the scene between them in the locker room the physical comedy that Phil Dunster, I think is the name of the guy who plays Jamie. I just, I might give him all the awards for that, for his facial expressions. I mean, I think that the, there there's really a, like a small conflict happening here. And really what we're seeing is that these guys have history and they're not fully through, they haven't worked through some of the animosity. I think specifically Roy hasn't worked through some of the animosity that he has toward Jamie and as such, we see him resisting coaching Jamie. Um, and Jamie, in a surprising turn, actually wants to be coached, which like, talk about change. That is not the Jamie we knew from last season. Yeah. And we see Jamie being open to like, open to what Roy suggests. And so... Yeah, that's that's neat. And this, I mean, that the, the the dynamic between them and then Roy deciding that he is willing to that he is willing to engage with Jamie and he is willing to give him this feedback. Um, and Jamie listens to him. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of neat back and forth between them, like providing and being open to changing with one another in ways that are very true to both of them. <laughs> which are, you know, not necessarily how someone else might do it. Um, but the, you know, the fact that Roy does give him this signal on the field and Jamie does follow that signal. I mean, they're, they're actually starting to work together more. I, I also think this is such a good indication of how much Jamie has changed in that he is able to understand the balance now of what he brings, the important role that he brings to the team without going overboard. And I think like he wouldn't have been able to find that fully without Roy and Roy inherently understands players, right? If we look at the roles that the different coaches play, Roy understands players. That is his role. He understands the mechanisms of sport, like, you know, like lean back a little bit and that will help you, but also the psychological component of sport and, and understanding the roles that people have with on, in a team, right? He's able to diagnose with Jamie, like, no, you have to be a prick. Like, that's your role, which all teams, like, you have that person. There are people on teams who their whole job is to, like, get in the other team's head. That's part of sport. 
And so to diagnose that, but then also articulate that like, no, 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 you don't just get to be an asshole all the time. You have to like find the balance between assholery and coachability and teammate, you know, the, the team player of it all. And we get to see this play out with Jamie and it, it like actually work for him. And I think that's a good indication of the trust that they're building between the two of them. And we see like at the end of this, or when Jamie scores, everyone is celebrating with him instead of Jamie celebrating on his own, which is what we had seen in the past, right? He, he may have scored that goal from a penalty, right? It was just him, but also acknowledging like it takes this entire team to get to that point. So I think Jamie has changed. I might, I think he has. Do you think he's changed? It seems like it right now. Yeah, it seems. I mean, he's definitely a more pleasant character to watch at this point. And he's, he's sort of shifting into sort of like, yeah, just he's a, he's a little bit sillier now, I feel like, than he was before. He, he, he used to have more of a... Um, a harder edge to him. He doesn't seem like he has as much of an edge in in a good way these days. Mm-hmm. It, it makes me think of what Keely told him last season. She said, "Jamie, not everyone in your life is out to get you." And yeah. I think that he maybe took that too hard, or it seems like he has now, where he doesn't walk through the world thinking everyone is out to get him. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a good observation. Mm-hmm. Um, Unlike another character that might be interesting to talk about briefly, though less pleasant, mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody who might somehow seem to think that also everyone is out to get him <laughs> or that it's about him in some way, that it's not always is what I'm seeing here when we're talking about Nate, of course, if you um if you're if you're paying attention to what's going on for Nate, it's getting less pleasant, yeah. Nate just keeps like I feel like every episode he gets a couple little pokes mm-hmm. right and i think what what i was noticing with nate i really think we see somebody who just has like no self confidence or self esteem to speak of because everything that he's so concerned with credit and i think that a really good counter to him is roy So you notice like at the end of the episode when they, you know, they won, Rebecca says something to Roy. She says, hey, great job out there, coach, like kind of implies that he was the reason they won. And he was like, oh, no, 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 that was all Nate. And he Mm -hmm. congratulates Nate independently too, right? Like is very, very quick to go like, oh, no, 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 that was him. Mm -hmm. And I think Nate is really... I think you're able to do that, the Roy version of that, when you have confidence, when you know you are capable and like have a role and feel good in that role and feel confident about yourself and your abilities. It's really easy to give credit to other people because it's not taking anything away from you. And Nate is the opposite. He has no confidence. Yeah. And I mean, Nate could have said back to him, Hey, great job with that coaching of Jamie, right? Like there could have been a mutual sort of appreciativeness because both of them, in fact, helped win the game (laughs) from those, at least from what we can see, those two strategies were what made them win this. At least that's what I see in it. And, Mm -hmm. and yet Nate is just ready to take the credit. 
he's just ready to take the credit and 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 you can see i mean there's different moments in this i think it happened in last episode too where Roy is getting some credit for something or somebody's acknowledging Roy or talking to Roy. And we just see these like real quick moments where Nate's, you know, has some sort of side eye look to what's happening. So yeah, I think your, your point is really right on there. Yeah. He does not like to see anyone else get praise. Yeah. Which is so, it's just like, he's putting, he's, he's putting himself in like some sort of comparison with the other coaches and especially it seems like now that Roy's come on, there's like some thing there that's happening, especially. Um, and it's too bad because Neat also seems to have really decent ideas. Like, I mean, he has ideas and strategies that help the team win. So it's it's interesting the just it just seems it seems like there's a boiling point, right? It's like or not maybe maybe we're not at the boiling point yet, the tipping point. What's the point I'm trying to make? You know, like but like it's ha- it's like we're getting these little, yeah, he's getting poked, but instead of getting poked and rolling with it, he seems to be taking it more personally. And even when they get to the like to, you know, I know we're kind of jumping ahead, but when they get to the sort of end of the game where it's, you know, Ted has left this the field and they're trying to figure out what to do we see Nate do that spinning thing again that we talked about last time. And then not, I mean, it could be skillful. Like maybe if someone else had done it, we might think of it as a more skillful thing Um, because he does like have this idea, you know, whatever the park, the bus thing is, he has this idea and he really goes for it, but he, he just, his, his form and how he does things is not, is not very collaborative. It doesn't make you really want to get on board with him, even though I'm, he has success. Yeah. What's that? So I'm going to push on that a little bit. I actually thought, other than the spitting thing, the way that he handled himself on the field at that uh-huh. moment, uh-huh. I respected that. That was very aligned with what I have experienced with people in those settings and that I actually appreciate. So, okay. Like, okay. I am not an athlete. So I don't know. You go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I think like collaboration is great, but also sometimes you need somebody to be a leader and make a decision and take charge. And that doesn't always allow for there to be time. Like literally there was a time crunch, right? Like you can't always be collaborative. And I, when there is this like need for somebody to be step up and be a leader and make a decision. I think what he did was exactly what needed to be done. That's that's I think that's why I get so frustrated with him. I'm like that you did it. You did it. You did the exact thing. You like saw what needed to happen. You made a decision and you stepped up and you did it with authority and in a commanding way. And I don't like I think it could be read as like he was sort of being like angry with it. But I also think like that's kind of how people talk in sport. I didn't read it as angry. I just read it as commanding. And I think a player on the field would also read it that way. Like, I think that they all probably appreciate that. Um, The worst thing that you can have when you're looking to a leader is somebody who waffles or who says, what do you guys think (laughs) in a situation like that? Uh, okay, in that again, situation yeah I wouldn't say that situation yeah I'm not I'm, I wouldn't agree with that full stop but in that situation I hear you yeah and so I actually think what the way he did it like it's frustrating because I'm like you did the right thing like that was exactly what they needed and you saw it like you are very good at strategy and then like 
he just can't accept that other people had roles in it, I think. Or I don't know. I just like I liked I think it's frustrating because I'm like, oh, you did so well there. And the second they say something to him about Wonderkin, like where he says Wonderkid, and they say, You mean Wonderkin? And he was like, like you watched him deflate. And I'm like, oh God, you can't just walk with the confidence that you just heard. You don't need to spit at yourself to have it. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, he's frustrating. I think to go back real quick to, I mean, I have not been in the same situations you have been in when it comes to athletics. So, but I would say the one thing that I might just add personally to the the point is that when he did the park, the best thing, sure, there was a time crunch. He could have taken 30 seconds to to say to the other two, this is, this is what we're doing. I think this is going to work or something like that. Like he could have checked in with them. He made, it seems like he made a, like an executive decision in a moment where it, I hear you and that there was like a, uh, a time crunch, but also he could have brought them in briefly in that. If, if I understand coaching correctly, it seems like he wasn't necessarily a person to take charge in that moment. And he did. And he did. I agree with you. Like it worked, obviously, like, cause all I was saying is it like, he could have included them briefly in his thought process, but maybe that's not what coaches do. I mean, yeah, you want to, I think he, do- he does say something. I think yeah. at some point he, 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 he calls the play, he calls it. Yeah. And, and they're kind of like, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then and he gets it going and then he turns and says something to them that explains what his thought process was. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I push on that is because in football, the clock is running. Like mm-hmm. they literally were still playing, I think. Yeah. So like even like I played basketball, what would have happened if this was a basketball scenario? There A timeout would have been called and there maybe would have been 10 seconds where he could have before he called anything else stopped and talked to them. But I think because they were kind of thrown into chaos with Ted running off the field, there wasn't a clear leader. They're all assistant coaches. I suppose Beard maybe would have been like the next in line, maybe, Mm -hmm. but we don't Mm -hmm. really know. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of hierarchy or structure in that. And Ted did not do his job and saying like, you're in charge to anyone. Yeah. And Nate took charge. And I think like, a good team and a good teammate goes, okay, like the con let's look at the context. Was this appropriate? Yes. Cause I don't see beard or Roy being like, Hey, fuck you, Nate. You didn't bring mm-hmm. us in. They're both like, great. This is awesome. You called the right play. Um, and I would venture even like, if I know, I don't know if I were in beard and Roy's position, I wouldn't have anything to say about it. I'd be like, cool, great play, man. I had no idea what to do. Like that was great. Or, I don't know. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt like it was inappropriate, I guess. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch it again just for myself. Cause now I'm like, I thought he was kind of a jerk in that situation, but again, different interpretations, different perceptions. In any case, we agree that afterwards he was like, not, not super cool about his whole wonder kid situation and asking if they can edit it. And then it appears that he's like, looking at all of the posts about himself online at the end there. Like, yeah, he's definitely taking, taking a, he, he seems to be changing in ways that aren't necessarily, I don't know. Do you think he's changing or what do you think about Nate's story? 
I think that we get a glimmer of has he changed? Like, is he going to lead with confidence? And then he does not. It's clear that he has not changed. He's still insecure and he's putting on a front that that I think is like laced with cruelty. Like, I don't really like Nate right now at all. Um, even though I just spent several minutes defending the way he handled that situation. I think, um, I don't think he's changing. I think like, it's like, oh, he changed. No, he didn't. He's the same Nate. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, I mean, you just, you watch him deflate the second that anyone says any sort of, I mean, negative, corrective, even it's not even negative, just like a corrective piece of information and also, it's interesting, I think, that he now, he had gone into Keely's office and said he wanted her to make him famous, and now he seems to be getting his wish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Feels like, a, careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get that little bit of information at the beginning where he says, I can't remember, but he said I didn't write it down about his dad doing something. Oh, like not not telling the woman that he or the girl that he was dating that they both weren't good enough for one another. I mean, we keep getting these little bits of information about Nate ha- having a pretty like unpleasant relationship with his dad. And I, I think we're getting that sense here that that's playing out like kind of the things that are like playing in the background, you know, we see Ted having like finally like kind of coming to terms with some stuff that's been going on in his life for a long time. And not, and I don't know that Nate's coming to terms, but I think Nate's, there's stuff happening in the background for Nate that we're not necessarily aware of um, that is creating, like you said, this person who is, has seems to have a very low self-esteem and is sort of, uh, ha- up when he's getting recognition and then using this sort of power over and uh, um, not kind way of motivating in the other times. It's, it's, it's hard to watch. It's too bad that he, I think that one of the things that we see is like he connected with Ted in a significant way. And now, you know, like Ted, Ted ran away from that game. We know because he had a panic attack. Nate doesn't know that. He just knows that something happened. Uh, and it's too bad that he isn't willing to like try to connect with someone like Roy. And I don't know, maybe Roy wouldn't step in in more of a mentorship role with him just because of like Roy seems to be more focused on players than other coaches. But I just am like, oh, it's like Nate needs someone. Or Higgins. I want Higgins to step in. Higgins yeah. seems like would be, he would be a great mentor to Nate. He knows how to deal with boys. Yeah. 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 And Ted seems to be like less available for that right now. Like maybe in a way that he was a little bit more of in season one, where we're seeing a few more things happening with him. And so mm-hmm. he may not be as available to be that mentor for Nate that maybe he is has been sort of being by leading by example up until now. Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know.
And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.